Morning. Why don't we uh, open with prayer? Oh, Father, we uh, love you and we thank you for today that you've given us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. And Father, we ask now that the Holy Spirit would come and reveal mysteries of the kingdom to us. Not that we may uh, learn more, but that we'd become closer and one with Jesus and you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So you all know this verse, Matthew 22. We've, we've been through it before. And, and we may need a minute to get that set up. So I'll read it because you know it. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. And we've talked many times about that and we will continue to talk about because it is the greatest command that we would love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the second command is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, I suppose every time that verse comes up, love your neighbor as yourself, the first place we go is, and who's my neighbor? And you know the answer to that, so we're not going to talk about that. You know who your neighbor is. It's the person that's close to you, no matter where you're at, right? Wherever you go, there they are. Love your neighbor as yourself. So that verse commands us to love people like we love ourselves, and some of us uh, don't understand what that means and how we love ourselves because some of us don't even like ourselves. And I would tell you that uh, when you're sleepy, you go to bed. And when you're hungry, you eat. When you're cold, you get warm. Those are the definitions of loving yourself. You do that. Because you take care of yourself. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves. In John 13, Jesus said it this way. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So Jesus adds some clarity to this new command of loving. That we are to love like Jesus did. It's sacrificial, it's complete, it's full. Love one another. In 1 John chapter 3, For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Now I've kind of been going through these verses in a hurry because I don't think it's probably much revelation to anyone here that we should love one another. We, we know that that's the command. We know that that's what God has called us to. We know that Jesus was the example. But here in 1 John chapter 3, we should love, we should not be like Cain, who murdered his brother, but we should love. 
Um, how do you know that you're alive? Because you love. If you do not love, <clears throat> you are dead. Now, isn't that kind of an interesting way that John put that? If you are alive, you will love. If you love, you are alive. If you don't love, you're dead. Whoever does not love remains in death. And you know me well. You know I'm taking you someplace with this, right? Where are we going? Well, the command is to love one another. And you know this. And you do this, right? You love. The other command is in 1 John 3.15. And it's do not hate. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. And I think for most of you who have been coming a long time, who are followers of Jesus, who have experienced life and freedom in Jesus, you know that it, you should love, and you therefore love. You know that you should not hate, so you don't hate very much, if any. And so... In that, we then think, okay, good. I got it covered. I love and I don't hate. My question this morning is, what about everything in between those two places? I love Lana. I love my daughters. I love you. Most of you. I don't hate very many people at all. Well, I can't think of one right now at this moment that I hate. So, I'm good. But, what about everybody else? Every other creature that's been made. What's my relationship with them? So, we know that we're supposed to love. Right? Everybody know we're supposed to love? Shake your head this way. Good, good. And you know that we're not supposed to hate. And so, we, we don't hate. What about indifference? I know that's a bad word and, and we don't like it, but I'm going to tell you this morning that I do not think hate is the opposite of love. I think indifference is the opposite of love. What does it mean to be indifferent? Well, we have this little saying we use, and there's two ways we mean it, and one of them I don't think is grammatically correct, but it's used a lot. I could, I could care less. And what we really mean is, I could not care less. I couldn't care less. I have absolutely no care about this. I don't care. What does it mean? When we say that about someone. And, and most of us, at least who have been coming to church, we're smart enough to know not to say that. So we don't ever use those words because that would be bad. But what does it mean when we don't care about somebody? I could not care less. It's like they don't exist. I've I have spent a little bit of time in big cities. Not much. I don't like it there. <clears throat> to me, 
I'm never more alone than when I'm in a big city. Surrounded by people that don't know I'm there. Now, okay, you got me. Almost everywhere I go, people know I'm there. I kind of stick out. But have you ever been lost in a crowd? Just one of the faces in the sea of people where it's like you don't exist. And sadly, I think... Well, many times people will tell me that they come up to me after, they ser- after the sermon and they say to me, why did you write that sermon for me? Like I wrote the sermon talking specifically to them. And I have to confess, I did that this morning. I wrote a sermon particularly for one person in the crowd. It's me. Maybe you'll see yourself in it too. But to not care about somebody, they don't matter to me. I believe that's the opposite of love. Not hate. Hate at least involves a relationship, right? Where at least there's something I care. And usually it's somebody we hate is because we're demanding their attention in some way. We want them to change or to acknowledge us or something. So we hate them, which might even mean that we really care. But then there's this large group of people that really don't matter to me. And, and I think when we look at, at people in that way, and we see people that don't matter, what we've done is we've selected a group of people that do matter. I will call them the winners. And everybody else goes in the other group called the losers. I care about the winners. I don't care about the losers. In James chapter 2, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit there by my feet, have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Now this is talking about a specific example where at church somebody came in and we said, oh, you matter and you don't matter. I love you, I don't love you. You care, you don't care. And we separate people out that way. And in verse 4, in doing that, we've set ourselves up as judges with evil thoughts. And what I'd say is, there's a mental part of this, a cerebral, a heart of the thinking of it, of what do I think about someone, and then that ends up being an action that I carry out. So in in 1 James chapter 2 here, at first the people looked at the person coming through the door and said, oh, this one's rich, I like them, and then they acted nicely towards them and said, here, move over, sit here in this good seat. 
Here's a cushion. Sit on it. And then the next person comes in and somebody we judge in our heart and in our mind and said, eh, they don't matter. Well, you stand over there. See how this works? We have thoughts in our hearts and in our minds about someone. And then that turns into actions that we carry out about that person. And it'd be bad enough if it was just a mental exercise of picking winners and losers. But it doesn't stay there. It turns into actions. The way you think about somebody in your heart is the way you will end up acting towards them. So, just like you can feel good about somebody, but not act on it, you can feel bad about somebody and not act on it. And it carries out the same thing. But if all you do is feel good about someone, oh, I like them, but don't act on it, you're deceiving yourself. See, in verse 14 of chapter 2, still in James, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by deeds, by action, is dead. Now, who knew that this famous verse about faith by itself is no good, it takes actions. If faith does not have action, it's dead. Who knew that that was talking about the way we love? If you see a brother or sister in need and you don't meet the need, if all you do is have well wishes for them, that's no good. It's not really love, is it? I feel good. I feel bad about somebody in their situation. Be warm and well fed and off I go. What good is it? Maybe I feel good. Because I feel good about somebody and therefore can pat myself on the back about what I've done. But what have I actually done? Nothing. I didn't change a thing. They're still hungry. They still need clothes. And all I did was wish them well. Now, I think in my heart, I think that I've done my job. Because I care for them. But if that care does not turn into action of some sort, do I really even care? Um, So let's recap a little bit here. You can be like Cain and hate somebody which is the same as murdering them. Or you can, in your heart, have fond feelings of affection towards someone, but not act on it, and you're not really loving. Or you can be indifferent and just not care, and that's not love. Or 
You can truly love someone. And I know that, you know, the card industry and the movie industry and all that, they want to tell us that love is an emotion. And don't get me wrong, there's definitely emotions involved with love. But love is not the definition of an emotion. Emotion is not the definition of love. Love is an act. Sacrificial giving because of someone else. Jesus was the example in that. He loved me. What did he do for me? He took the weight, the price of my sin and he paid that price. That is love. So to truly love someone is to, from your heart, in your head, love them and have that turn into words and actions that are consistent with the way you feel towards somebody. Um, so we have this problem at church. We come here to learn things. And we learn things. And then we leave this place having learned something and feel good about ourselves because we now know something we didn't know when we came in. But do you know the Bible says that if you hear the word of God but don't do it, you deceive yourselves? To just hear the word of God, to just know what God wants you to do is a great thing if it produces action in you. Otherwise, we're clanging gongs, right? Like it says in 1 Corinthians about we don't love. We have all the good words, but we don't love. It's just noise. Love is action. Now see, when I say that, it feels like somebody just punched me in the stomach. Like the wind's been knocked out of me. As a family, as a group of believers, what do we do to love? That's about the same list I came up with. We care. We teach. If somebody comes in here, we'll teach them. They just happen to wander by. We'll, we'll teach them good things. Is that the extent of our love? Looks like it to me. Looks like to me we should change the sign on our church to be warm and well fed. That makes me not happy to say that. Um, in James chapter 3, so there's another word that's associated with uh, love, and we'll call it blessing. And there's another word associated with hate, and we'll call that cursing. And 
James 3 verse 9 says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters. This should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? And I know right away you're saying, now wait a minute, Tony, I haven't cursed anybody. I disagree. Usually when people want to say something offensive, they preface it by saying, I don't mean to offend you, but here's something offensive. So I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to say this. Everybody you come in contact with, everyone, when you walk away from that, you left that relationship in one of two states. Either you blessed them by your presence, or you cursed them. There is no middle ground. Now I want you to think back over yesterday, and the day before, and last week. Everybody you came in contact with. Make a list of them. Now let me go ask them. Hey, on Monday, you came in contact with Mark. Did he bless you? Or not? And on Tuesday, you came in contact with Lana. Did she bless you? Or not? And on Wednesday, you came in contact with Tony. Did he bless you? Or not? I don't like the answers. Do you? Because I think when somebody sees me and they walk away showing me their tall finger, it means I didn't bless them. Right? Or when I came in contact with someone but didn't even see them. I didn't even know they were there. Or the whole reason for their existence was to take my money so I could have my glass of tea or whatever I bought or to fix my wash machine or my car or to provide some service to me or because I met them at work or I met them after work at a ball game. What was the result of that contact with me, with you? You either blessed them or you cursed them. There is no middle ground. And I don't like that. It's a sobering revelation to me that when people come in contact with me, it matters. Now why does it matter? Because I'm the representative of Jesus. Like you are. We are his ambassadors, the ministers of reconciliation. We have the words of life. All men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See the responsibility, the burden that I have? If I see a man on the street burning, and I walk by him, and say, be warm and well fed, or don't even say. We would say that would be cruel, wouldn't it? To not put out a, a burning man. 
Show me the person that you come in contact with that's not in that state. That is not in desperate need of life. (laughs) And we keep it to ourselves and walk down the street. We curse that man, that woman, that boy, that girl by not loving them. See how there's no middle ground? Uh. You can't do this. You can't love someone without the love of Jesus in you. See, I can, I can tell you, well, here's what you should do. You should smile. You should be kind. You should offer him a dollar. No, none of that nonsense. What has to happen? You have to love people in your heart. I do not have the capacity on my own to love. The only way I can love is because Jesus loves me. Because I see who I am in Christ, and Christ has loved me, then, because I stand in His love, I'm able to then look at other people and love them the way He loves me. You can't go to school to get this right. You can observe it in other people to see what it looks like, but you're not going to have a heart of love because I stand up here and tell you to love. You're going to have a heart of love because you and Jesus are becoming one. I would also tell you, I don't think you can truly experience the love of Jesus unless you express that love towards another person. Otherwise, you just have some kind of cerebral knowledge about being loved. You will actually experience the love of God by loving as Jesus loves and through the power of Jesus. This is not a skill you can develop on your own. Now, um, it's July, so you know, it's Christmas in July. Lana and Beans have been watching Christmas movies all month at home. Uh, it's been good. It's given me much opportunity to do something else, uh, which has been a good thing. But, you know, at Christmas, we sing this song, um, well, let there be peace on earth, and then it's goodwill towards men, right? Peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And that phrase, goodwill towards men, that's just been going over and over in my head. Goodwill towards men. Goodwill towards men. When I see somebody coming down the street, do I have goodwill towards them? See, I think that's what love looks like. And sadly, I'll confess that most times, no, I don't. I don't have goodwill. Sometimes I have bad will. Most of the time, I don't have anything. I don't see them. Because they don't matter to me. Which means I don't care. Which it's like living around a bunch of people that are dead to me. Now see, I'm willing to stand up here and confess these kinds of things and not joyfully or happily but because I imagine that you just might be a whole lot like me and that 
there's a whole group of people that you don't care about either. Now, what do we do about people I don't care about? Well, I can make you feel guilty about it. And I I hope that that's not what you're feeling. The last thing you need is for me to accuse you of something. You have somebody else that already accuses you of things. What I want to do, hopefully, is to make you aware. Is it painful awareness? Well, it is for me. It makes me painfully aware that there's people that I don't care about. I have no goodwill towards them. And I know that because I, don't, I ignore them. Now, are they groups of people and classes of people? Well, in my case, no. They're just strangers. People on the street. Alright? Now, maybe you have some people that you hate. And that's easy. I can tell you exactly what to do about that. The Bible's clear. Confess to God what you've done. And renounce that. Flat out. If you hate people, that's easy. Confess to God what you've done and renounce that. Or the short version of it is, stop it. Don't hate people. But then what? Jesus, I need you to change my heart, to fill my heart with love, and to chase indifference away from me. Alright, well Tony, if I do that, I'm going to be a mess. Because there's broken, hurting people everywhere I look. I know there is. That's the whole point. But that's going to cause me lots of emotional stress and discomfort and harm. And again, you are correct. It will. Because that's what it means to love somebody. To come alongside them in their struggle and help to bear their burdens. Alright, the next thing. Well, I don't have the resources to help. And sometimes that's true. We run out of resources. But you know they need a whole lot more than money or food or clothes. And our father who owns the cattle on a thousand hills does not run out of resources. And maybe it will be an opportunity for you to grow your faith. Where you can actually believe that God does provide and it's really not up to you. See I think sometimes we don't want to get into a situation because we don't know what to do. So we stay out so that we won't fail. And again, this is a great opportunity. That's exactly what it means to follow Jesus. You step into situations where the only way it's going to succeed is if Jesus shows up. We don't like that. I know we don't like that. But that's what it means to exercise our faith. It's to love deeply. Goodwill towards men.
Here she comes down the street. Miss Nosy Busybody. Last time I talked to her and told her what was going on, she told everybody in town what happened. I'm not talking to her this time. You can't trust her. I won't say anything to her. Now who in the room thinks that looks like goodwill towards men? Because I don't think that's what goodwill towards men looks like, do you? I think that means I already accused and judged her and determined what she's going to do about something. That's not goodwill. Or here comes that jerk. You know what he did last time. I loaned him my air bubble. He never brought it back. Not giving him anything. Is that goodwill? I don't think so. Or, here comes Stinky. He loves to chat, but man, that dude doesn't take a bath. You know him, right? And I, Boy, it's really good to see you. Could you stand over there? Don't get in my car. Is that goodwill towards men? Of course not. Right? Goodwill towards men is because Jesus is in me. So the question is, what does Jesus think of Miss Gossip coming down the street? What is Jesus' heart towards her? I'll guarantee you that's what love looks like. What is Jesus' heart toward Mr. Jerk? What is Jesus' heart towards Stinky? That's what love looks like. How can you have the heart of Jesus towards Miss Gossip, Mr. Jerk, and Stinky? Not through your own effort. You'll never develop the heart of Jesus by trying. You'll develop the heart of Jesus by becoming one with Jesus. Moving closer and closer to Jesus. And asking him to give you his heart towards people. When I see this happening in me. I say, Jesus, give me your heart of love towards this person. I want to love them the way you love them. And I break all the other junk that lies between us. The hurt, the wound, the past experience that I've had from this person. Break all of that. Forgive them for that. Have nothing remain in our relationship except the love of Jesus. So, by drawing near to Jesus... By experiencing the love of Jesus, I'm then able to share that love with other people. The hate, it's got to be gone. Can't be a follower of Jesus and hate. You will remain in death. So now we love. And that group of people we love has to be an ever-expanding group to include every human you ever come in contact with. We cannot remain indifferent. The 
burning in the street. We need to put the fire out. I can't just see that and walk away. You say, well, they're not on fire, Tony. Their marriages are coming apart. They have no relationship with their children. They're in financial ruin. They're in moral bankruptcy. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. They're on fire. Right? They're on fire. Will we just let it go? When we let it go, what we're saying is, I don't care. And what we're saying when we say, I don't care, is they don't matter to me. And that's not love. So, was it my intent to call you out this morning? Yes. And to call me out. And to say, as an individual and as a church, do we love well? The answer is no. And I want to say that I'm sorry if that offends you. But if that offends you, you're exactly whom I'm talking to this morning. Because you're not aware there's a problem. We need to love. Truly, deeply with the heart of Jesus towards people. People matter. Be warm and well fed. Wasted words. It is not love. The only way we can do this is by intentionally pursuing it with Jesus. It's not just going to happen. Things have to change. But the only way we'll we'll be able to change is through the power and love of Jesus Christ. And that's his free offer to us. It's there. He wants to love through us. He just wants us to be willing to do it. Are you? Don't tell me. Tell him. He will love through you. He will change your heart. Jesus, we see and we know the way that you love. And Jesus, we know that everybody you came in contact with, you blessed. Even when you cursed them, you blessed them. And Jesus, that's who we want to be. We want to bless and not curse. We need your heart of love towards your creation, to our brothers and sisters. Soften our hearts, Jesus. Don't let them remain hard. We, we love you. We love one another. We love our neighbors. We love everyone. That's who we are. Remove everything from us, Jesus, that disagrees with that. And let your love shine in our hearts that out of your strength and out of your power and out of your kindness and goodness 
that we would love the way you loved. We would live the way you live. That the whole world we know, would know that we belong to you because of our love. Father, we confess that we have hated. And we renounce that hate. We know as followers of Jesus there's no place for hate. Father, we also confess that we have been indifferent. We have just not cared. We confess that. We renounce that, Father. We know that it is wrong for us to not care. So we care for you and we love you. We ask Jesus that you would love through us. Draw us closer to you. May we be one with you that we may love one another with your love, Jesus. Change us. Make us be people of action, not people of words or thoughts. May we love in heart and in deed as you do, Jesus. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear you as you call us into areas of ministry right here in this place where we can love you. As a church, give us vision for ministries that we can be involved with or that we can begin that would actually show your love, Jesus. Oh, we've been far too inactive, far too self-focused. We confess and repent of that, Jesus. It's our intention to love this world and this community and our brothers and sisters in Christ with your love, Jesus. Help us as we step into this. May you receive all the glory and praise now and forevermore. Amen.